I, I, I'm just saying, you know, don't don't take our our love of the the character and of the man to a certain degree to super to heart on that one because I haven't read through his website. I don't know everything the man has said. There are probably uh, things upon which we disagree heavily. Yeah, like uh, you know, setting people on fire. No, actually, uh, we're we're I'm with him on that one. Having sex with corpses. I'm torn. I'm a. I'm. I, I could. You know. Swing vote on that. It's me, Austin. The numbers don't lie, and they spell disaster for you as sacrifice. Son of a bitch. I did it for the love. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Turnbuckle Training. Introducing first your longtime fan, short time podcaster, and former fantasy wrestling hardcore champion, Peyton Spooky Uncle Mark Green. And his tag team partner making his debut in the wacky world of fighting fools, Zach the Human Waluigi Barlow. Isn't Waluigi already a human, though? Yes, but I am... He is a cartoon man. I am the human version of him, which is, is also a damn what shame. Okay, if so if they made a sequel to the Super Mario Brothers movie, the live-action one, yeah, who would play Waluigi? I think that's, that's a great feud fight question. I think that's an easy answer, and it's John Leguizamo. Um, he would play Luigi and Waluigi? Yeah, well, I think that he now, sort of with age, has matured like a fine wine, and that Waluigi is now really his role in the whole thing. So but, someone else would play Luigi. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I like that. Um, so this is a show for longtime wrestling fans and rookies alike. We're going to take you through some of the biggest shows, matches, and rivalries in wrestling history, or at least the ones that I can flap my old gums about for the next... Five hours. Just kidding. This episode's not that long. And if you know nothing about wrestling, don't worry, because as you'll soon find out, I don't either. So, Peyton, what are we going to be talking about today? Uh, the the main story here we're going to be talking about is Undertaker versus Kane. But before we get into that, uh, we want to address something, a little bit of wrestling news. And it's kind of going to affect our show going forward uh, in a good way, I think. Uh, it's a, definitely a bad situation, uh, but I think that our show can improve upon it. So, um, if you're keeping up with wrestling news, uh, you may have seen something kind of kind of disturbing from the WWE. And here's the thing: we've never, I've never really thought that the WWE was some great company. They've been getting into a lot of trouble lately with the um, the way they their wrestlers are classified as contractors. And the continued shows in Saudi Arabia, they're doing a third one now. And but this one was kind of one that I just, uh, just man, I, I just couldn't couldn't deal with it any anymore. Yeah. And, and it was it was something that I was like, you know, I I just can't continue to support them, even though I've loved them since I was a kid. I just man, this is this is rough. Um, so a former. Women, a women's wrestler, uh, or diva, as she was known then, Ashley Macero. She was the winner of WWE's 2005 Diva Search, which 
has, you know, its own problems of its own, being basically a beauty pageant to become a wrestler. Um, but Ashley uh, recently passed away uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, only 39 years old. Turns out that uh, her death was a suicide, um, which is very sad. And the WWE, you know, released a statement as they as they always do, you know, saying that you know they, uh, you know, their thoughts are with her family, and you know that uh, she was a great performer and she'll be missed. And they had like a little. Um, at the beginning of their Money in the Bank show, they had, like, a slate pulled up that was, like, in memory of Ashley. And, but it's come out, and this had actually come out a while ago, but it just kind of got brought back up, was that Ashley was in the middle of a lawsuit with the WWE, and that lawsuit was initially about some injuries she had sustained in the ring, particularly with concussions that she felt that the WWE should be held liable for. You know, she wasn't treated, you know, the way she thought she should be with the doctors and stuff like that, Um, which is kind of its own issue. That lawsuit ended up, I believe, getting dropped, Um, but there was an affidavit in there where she talked about something really horrible that happened to her. Um, She was on a trip in Kuwait. Uh, The WWE had gone overseas, And she talks about going there, and, you know, she was really excited for it. You know, uh, they were performing for the troops, and the WWE has a really great relationship with the military. They do lots of shows there. Every Christmas since 2004, they have done a tribute to the troops show. Um, But what happened here was she was getting kind of sick there. Uh, She says it was actually menstrual cramps, but they told her she was dehydrated. She ended up going to the doctor. Um, and during that doctor's visit, someone, some military, some man who said he was a military doctor, who knows if he actually was, um, and some others, there was a nurse there, uh, there was someone guarding the door that apparently gave her some sort of drug where she wasn't able to talk or move any of her limbs or, or do anything, and then, you know, one of those military doctors rapes her um and it was terrible afterwards you know she told the people that she was on the trip with what had happened to her she told them not to tell anyone uh somehow it ended up getting out and uh she had a meeting with vince mcmahon and some other executives in the company who they told her they're like we're really sorry that this has happened to you this is terrible but we don't want you to say anything because it's going to hurt your, our reputation with the military. It's going to look bad on the WWE. So they told her not to say anything. And now this initially came out in 2016. Uh, I guess it just – it was – even though it wasn't that long ago, it was maybe a, a different time. Maybe more people were focusing on the concussion aspect because that was a bigger story. Well, and also I think that people just um, don't listen to wrestlers or pay attention to that because – Unfortunately, until they're dead. Yeah, I agree. But and and unfortunately, they don't pay attention until they're dead. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, Until she can't, you know, say anything about it. So the WWE uh, initially released something that they released emails from her, uh, where she apparently said, "Hey, this this lawsuit got you know taken too far." All this kinds of stuff. Now, none of that is her saying this didn't actually happen to me. That's saying you know that. And she said stuff like, I enjoyed my time with the WWE, 
which I mean does not mean like saying I enjoyed my time with the WWE does not equal I was not raped. Right, uh, right. You know. Um and then recently they released another um statement that said, you know, uh, we were never she never told us she was raped. We never told her to to cover it up. Um you know, I I doubt we will ever really know for sure. Uh, you know, Ashley is no longer with us to tell us what actually happened. Um, but, and there have been parts of her story that have been corroborated by people who were on that trip who said, yes, indeed, she did go to the hospital at this time when we were there. Um, but But that idea is just, you know... It is hard to um hard to stomach and i think it's fair to say that here on this podcast uh for the two of us we believe her um and that sort of presents a problematic relationship with the wwe specifically vince mcmahon mm-hmm. and that's the thing is I, I you know i love the wrestlers i i love you know the product but i just can't i can't continue to give money to them you know yes um so i I, that's why i'm planning on canceling my subscription to the network um so for us that means you know and i thought i i really did i I feel bad for thinking like this but i immediately thought okay what's this going to do to my podcast and the more i thought about the more you know i love doing this podcast but i i really thought about it i was like you know i i will sacrifice this podcast for something like deep down that i know is you know a ethical problem you know i i would much rather this podcast suffer than you know me continue to to give money to someone that i feel covered up a woman's rape yeah or, cancellation or was definitely discussed as an option but we feel that we've reached a better solution uh that allows us to keep doing what we're doing here um without sort of having to engage in that and also lets us keep on highlighting the good people in the industry because there are so many wrestlers and so many people out there that are fantastic that are really um just great folks that don't deserve to suffer because vince mcmahon sucks yeah so we're gonna retool some of our stuff we're gonna do some other promotions outside of the wwe we're gonna you know kind of focus less on you know shows and pay-per-views and more on you know career retrospectives or storylines kind of like what we're doing today uh so you'll see a little bit of a change but i think it will actually be will be pretty good for us i agree i agree i mean this is uh clearly a difficult thing um to to handle if you have any concerns about the way we're handling things you know uh you can always email us let us know what those are we'd love to hear from you um, and get your feedback on all of this moving forward because, you know, the show is just as much about you as it is about us. And so we would, we'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. Did I mention they're going back to Saudi Arabia too? Okay. I have an analogy here that may not be, I mean, this is obviously a heavy subject matter and I'm going to be a little jokey about it, but just hear me out here. Vince McMahon is like your, like, racist terrible uncle that like shows up at christmas and you deal with him because he always gives you really good presents but when you find out that he's a rapist you just can't anymore it's time to cut off your uncle 
Absolutely. We are cutting off Vince McMahon. <laughs> yeah, for maybe, sure. Maybe, maybe soon, you know, he'll be gone and, and Triple H will be running the, the show. God, I hope so. Which I actually wouldn't be that bad because Triple H runs NXT and NXT has some pretty good shit. So. I hope those steroids destroy his fragile heart. Hmm. Well, I think they've destroyed his heart. He clearly has no heart. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or okay, no soul. Excellent either. point. Um, uh, but then again, I don't know that he's ever had that. Yeah, I was hearing a story the other day about how when Vince McMahon's dad died, Vince was really mad because he wasn't the one to be able to kill him. And I don't know how true that is. That sounds really true. I've heard lots of stuff about Vince as a kid. I, apparently, he uh, was the victim of a lot of... Uh, I don't really know what the word abuse? is. Abuse? Sexual abuse as a child. Yeah. Um, apparently from his mother. Um, so, which is horrible, of course. Uh, so, but you would hope that, you know, an experience like that would make him not do the kinds of things that he is doing. Right, and just because something bad happened to you does not give you the authority to do bad things to other people. And certainly, especially in this case, you know, because, uh, Vince probably thinks that he responded really well to that and really strongly and... Does that thing that he does? The problem with the... is, WWE is terrible at PR. Yeah, but but, but Vince always does this like, oh well, if I would do it, if if I can do this, then my wrestlers should be expected to as well, and um, that is clearly the wrong attitude. Absolutely. Well, this is a pretty dark subject, so how about yeah, we move this into was our a, actual the show. bummer zone here at the beginning? We're sorry about that, but you know, um. We felt that we felt that it was important to keep you guys up to date on what's going on. The Undertaker Kane shows are going to be our last sort of normal run of uh, shows, and then we're gonna we're gonna start doing some other stuff. Yeah. So let's get right into it. Uh, this is a storyline. It's hard to believe that this is basically a storyline that's been on again, off again. Since 1997, up until, you know, who knows, may have, we may get another Undertaker-Kane match. It would be, I mean, they did tag together not too long ago. I mean, it, it would probably be kind of a disaster to see, you know, two decrepit old men, one of them a mayor. Okay, but as we know, the WWE is not afraid to put sometimes even four decrepit old men in a ring together. Yeah, which is the the last match Undertaker and Kane actually had. So you know, Oof. there we go. Um, but this is this is a crazy st- story for a number of reasons because it, I feel like it made the careers. You know, Undertaker was a little bit made already and probably would have succeeded otherwise. But I mean, it's definitely a huge high point in Undertaker's career, and it made Kane. Yeah, because before Kane was Kane, he was. Dr. Isaac Yankum DDS, an evil dentist. Let me tell you something, too. I don't think that Dr. Isaac Yankum had a whole lot of steam in him. I don't think that that character was going to go anywhere. Yeah, well, because WWE was in there. It took them a while to realize that, like, occupation-based gimmicks weren't going to work. Yeah. Because Um, they had, you know, Repo Man and Duke the Dumpster Drozzy... I don't know. I mean, I would argue that Undertaker is an occupation-based character. 
I uh, a mortician? Uh, no, Frankenstein. <laughs> or Undertaker, but... I guess. I guess Sims. Did you say Frankenstein? Yes, is, is a job. He's a Frankenstein for the living. Um, <laughs> and Kane also, after he was Isaac Yankum, he then became Fake Diesel when uh, the WWE, when Kevin Nash and Scott Hall left the company, and took. They decided well. We still have the rights to their characters, so they just made Glenn Jacobs, Kane, be Diesel. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, obviously that wasn't going to go anywhere. Um, okay, question. You just said Glenn, Glenn Jacobs is the name of Kane? Yes. Um, do you think that in his office in Knox County, Tennessee... That he like that he goes by uh, Mr. Jacobs, or do you think he still he has his staff refer to him as Kane? I'm pretty sure he goes by Glenn Jacobs because like I I was actually looking up his website, and the funny thing is, and I think that this is on purpose, his website like his like his campaign like logo is Glenn Jacobs, but in the middle of Glenn and Jacobs is a flame. Oh yeah. Sure. And did you see, I sent you this recently, he was at, like, some sort of, like, event, and there was some guy, in, like, introducing him, and then he came out in his mask and chokeslammed him. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I, I think I've talked about this on the show before, but I actually have a friend who, like, um, went to a, like, libertarian meeting, and Kane was there. Uh, yeah. So he got to meet him. But it is really cool. The thing about Kane is that he's a spinoff character, and definitely the most successful one. Because if you think about Kane, he can't exist without the Undertaker. Right. That's why. That that's character... why I, I was calling him the Human Waluigi, because gotcha. Um, and and sort of myself in my role on this podcast, I'm the Human Waluigi, because without you, no. there would be no podcast. With I wouldn't exist. Here's the thing uh, about about Kane too is that he's become successful in his own right, uh, not nearly as successful as the Undertaker, but he's become really successful in a really you know he he's a Hall of Famer for sure. Um, but it's just crazy that the un, like there are so many people whose careers would not exist without the Undertaker. Another person is Paul Bearer. Uh, you know. There would not really be a Paul Bearer without Undertaker. We have got to talk about Paul Bearer because what I don't understand is, like, okay, so Paul Bearer, we're, we're going to get into it, but essentially he sort of is just the Undertaker's lackey at times, sometimes that are at odds, but he's just this character that doesn't really wrestle that is just affiliated with the Undertaker. So my question is, was Paul Bearer like a former wrestler, or is he just some dude that Vince no, found? He's at just a, a manager. Factory? So there, there are lots of wrestlers who are just managers, or not wrestlers, but lots of people who are just managers. They just come out and and they usually do it for big guys like Undertaker, who aren't really like talking on the mic a lot, so they can kind of be the mouthpiece. Because Undertaker used to ne never speak, really. He would say like "Rest in peace," and that would be it. But he wouldn't get on the mic and cut a promo. Yeah, something uh, he and Kane had in common is that they learned how to talk. Kane was 100% silent for years, and then he started talking only with a voice box. See, Kane became more and more human as time went on because, you know, and he, like, slowly starts, he slowly starts getting more and more naked, too. Because, <laughs> um, you know, he goes from being covered all over to one arm being exposed to, like, 
his chest being exposed to no shirt, to no mask. Eventually, he's just going to be running around with his little his his little big red machine hanging out. <laughs> Uh, but, well, um, I guess uh, if you could, you know, to to really start us at the beginning here, uh, take us to the beginning of Undertaker. So the Undertaker is uh, Mister Mister Mark Calloway. He's going to spend a little bit of time in WCW, but not really get anywhere there. Um, he's going to debut uh, in 1990 in the WWF, and get this: his original name was. Kane the Undertaker. Like, his first name was Kane. It was like Kane, comma, the Undertaker. Huh! Um, that didn't last very long, and they eventually dropped the Kane part, and he was just the Undertaker. Um, and his, uh, his, like, official debut was at Survivor Series, where he was, like, this villainous mystery partner of Ted DiBiase's Million Dollar Dream. Um... He, uh, he kind of cleaned house, but ended up getting eliminated. Um, he was originally managed by Brother Love, who was a very weird character to be the Undertaker's manager. Uh, his gimmick is Preacher with Rosacea. Um, and <laughs> eventually he switches to Paul Bearer. Get it? Um, oh, man. He was, he was carrying an urn, and the urn was supposed to you know carry Undertaker's strength. He basically just ran through everybody. Uh, he would like put them in a body bag and carry them to a to the back. Originally, um, he uh, he eventually ends up uh, winning a the his first WWF championship, and he was actually the youngest WWF champion in history at that time. Wow. Um. Eventually, um, you know. Paul Bearer will turn on The Undertaker uh, during his rivalry with Mankind. Um, and so Undertaker's kind of going it alone. Um, Undertaker ends up having a pretty big feud with Shawn Michaels. And we've actually watched this. Uh, it was actually our very first episode. was Bad Blood 1997 uh, when The Undertaker's wrestling Shawn Michaels to be named the number one contender for the WWF Championship. This is in 1997. Um, and in the very first Hell in a Cell match. Great match. Go check it out if you want, or go watch our very first episode to hear us talk about it. Uh, one of the best matches, one of my favorite matches of all time. Oh, yeah, it's, um, it's fantastic. In the lead-up to that, though, Paul Bearer is kind of teasing him. He's trying to get The Undertaker back to his side. He says he has to start working with him, or he's going to reveal The Undertaker's deepest, darkest secret to the world. He accuses the Undertaker of burning down his family's funeral home that they owned, killing his parents and his younger brother, Kane. Uh, the oh. Undertaker says, no, that never happened. What were you going to say? Yeah, I, I was going to say, hold on a sec here, because the was that not originally a part of the Undertaker's story? But, no. Okay, so the, the whole killed his family and brother angle didn't come in until later yeah. then. That doesn't come in until they need to introduce Kane, because this is 1997, so Undertaker's been in the company seven years already. Right, so what was the um, excuse for him being a zombie man before? He just was one? He's just, it, he was just, yeah, he just was one. It was just a mystery. They didn't really give backstories to people until they needed to. Okay. Um, so, 
Uh, but Paul Bearer reveals that Kane did not actually die, but he was horribly burned, had lots of psychological damage. And Bearer says, I've been raising Kane this whole time. He was institutionalized uh, from the fire all the way into adulthood, and he wants to exact revenge on his brother, Undertaker. Um, Undertaker says it was Kane, who was a pyromaniac, had actually set the fire. Um, and also at some point, Paul Bearer reveals that the Undertaker's mom had an affair with him, with Paul Bearer, and therefore Paul Bearer is Kane's dad. Huh, that's... I See, I didn't know about that part. You didn't know that Paul Bearer was Kane's dad? No, I didn't. Uh, the I will say the resemblance is striking. <laughs> I think that they... Maybe they don't mention it too much. and Maybe they reveal it later on, because... I don't know. It's never really clear, because sometimes they'll even act like Paul Bearer is Undertaker's dad, even though that's definitely not true. It's very weird. But anyway, I think the accepted canon is that Undertaker and Kane are brothers. A fire that one of them started killed the parents, and Paul Bearer had an affair with Kane's mom, and Paul Bearer is Kane's dad. Kane eventually does debut at Bad Blood 1997 by ripping the, the Hell in a Cell door off its hinges and attacking Kane and causing him to lose to Shawn Michaels. Now you can go ahead. Okay, so Undertaker has this whole thing where he's like, I won't fight Kane. I won't fight my own flesh and blood because I promised my dead parents that I wouldn't. So if Undertaker did kill his parents, that's really weird that he would respect them enough to make a promise to them post-mortem, but not respect them enough to not kill them. Well, they go back and forth as to who killed them, because he says Cain killed them. They say Undertaker killed them. Mom, Cain burned the house down. Basically, I think the reason why Undertaker won't fight Kane is because they have to try to make it all the way to WrestleMania before they have a match with each other. <laughs> yeah. Reason. So Bad Blood takes place in October of 97, whereas WrestleMania 14, when they have their first actual match, is going to take place all the way in... I went too far. It's going to take place all the way in March of 1998. So that's like, five months of them just building this storyline. Right, right. Okay, so I, I do have a question, though. What's that? With Undertaker, you know, he's been in the company for seven years at this point. Kane is clearly, I mean, it, it feels like he's being thrown in to spice up Undertaker's story, because has Undertaker's popularity been waning, or are they sort of out of ideas? I think what it is, is this is the very beginning of the Attitude Era. So they're trying to take Undertaker, who's kind of a silly, goofy character that's very, like, old-school, classic WWF of, look at this spooky ghost, into something that's a little bit more edgy and realistic. Or not not really realistic. It's not realistic at all, but edgy. Um. So I think they're trying to mature Undertaker and make him, you know, because the audience is getting older. The audience is more like teenage to, it's like 18 to 35-year-olds now, whereas it was before it was like 6 to 30 or 6 to 20. Gotcha, Um, gotcha. So I think, yeah, I think, yeah, 
And that is, it, it, you do bring up a good point, is we talk about usually it's the younger guy who gets put over, but in this case, it's Undertaker constantly getting put over. But uh, I think in those days, thing it almost was like time moved slower back in the older days because you didn't have as much TV, you didn't have as much internet. So seven years then was not as long as seven years now. So Undertaker is probably not really considered like a veteran so much. At this point, he he's kind of considered because at this point, he's really only I, I think he's maybe won the the world title twice, maybe maybe only that one time. Um, but uh, basically, we're going to see Undertaker is is not going to fight Kane, but Kane keeps showing up, interfering in his matches. He costs him the match against Shawn Michaels at the Royal Rumble of '98. Um, eventually. Um, uh, he at the Royal Rumble, uh, Undertaker faces Shawn Michaels in a casket match. Kane puts Undertaker in the casket and lights it on fucking fire. Um, yeah, and uh, basically that's what they do. Undertaker. Every time Undertaker needs to take time off, they like light him on fire or bury <laughs> him alive or something like that. They just, they kill him a lot. Undertaker has died way too many times. Undertaker has more lives than a cat. <laughs> um, but, uh, and there's actually a tease that they might even be teaming up, but it's it's all a ruse. Um, so Undertaker finally returns and he says he will walk through the fires of hell to face Kane. Apparently lighting him on fire was just too much. So let's get into the match. WrestleMania 14, Kane and Paul Bearer versus The Undertaker. Of course, before we do... Uh, our actual match, we have to have this weird thing. It's really weird that this is the way the first Undertaker and Kane match starts. Um, I'm talking about Pete Rose. Oh! Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that was very weird. So Howard Finkel introduces one of the all-time greats of baseball, Pete Rose. Uh, For those who don't know... Pete Rose uh, was famously caught betting on his own games uh, and got kicked out of the MLB. Yeah, um, and then, like, just... He comes here to, the, to host this event, or not even host it, just to talk for a minute, and just gets, like, the crowd real riled up about baseball? Yeah, well, because that's the one thing you could do. It, it, like, it, like, you just go to a major city and, like, insult the, the sports team. That's all you have to do, cause he, cause he basically he's he's like, uh, where are they at? What I don't even know where they're at. Boston, keeps, Boston. Oh, they're in Boston. So he keeps making fun of the of the Red Sox, the White Sox, Red Sox, Red Sox. Fuck, I don't know. I knew enough about Pete Rose to get through this, and that's only because of wrestling. <laughs> I only know who Pete Rose is because of wrestling. Um, so the lights go out and Kane's music hits. Um, uh, one of the I, I think it's uh, Jerry Lawler says we saw what Kane did to the Phoenix Suns mascot a couple of weeks ago. So Kane just really hates sports. <laughs> hey, Kane, me too, man. Uh, Kane grabs Pete Rose and hits him with a tombstone pile driver. Um, and the crowd loves it, which is weird because Kane's supposed to be the heel here. So they just got Kane over for no fucking reason. Yeah. Uh, and here's the other thing about this. So, this is like a weird running gag they do for the next two WrestleManias. 
where Kane tombstones Pete Rose. What? So at next year's WrestleMania and the next WrestleMania, Kane also tombstones Pete Rose. Glad to know that Pete Rose has a platform at the WWE whenever he needs one. He was the very first introduction I- induction into the celebrity wing of the WWE Hall of Fame. <laughs> And he was inducted by Kane. So, um, I've got something, you know, like, like, how I have sort of my own metrics sometimes for matches, uh, like the yeah. ladder match metric that I use. How many Pete Roses are in there? Um, uh, well, that's a good one, but this one's slightly different. They mention, uh, in this match, Kane has proven he has more powers than The Undertaker. That's a direct quote from the commentary. I think that what you and I need to do through this series um, is keep track of those powers, what they are, and then at the end sort of figure out who has the better power set. I like this. I like this. Okay, so the ones that we know so far uh, up to this point is that Kane can, like, just, like, burst things into flames. Yes, so Kane has, so far... Powers He's over a the lighting team because he can drop the house lights at any yeah. time. Well, here's the thing: Undertaker can do that too. Okay, okay. So they both have they both have power over the lighting team, but Kane does have control over pyrotechnics. Undertaker though has like resurrection powers. Yes, so that's something. Um, so that that's that's what we that's what we know so far. I think. I think that's really the the extent of it. Yeah, I believe so. Um So we'll we'll get into the match now. Um a bunch of druids with torches come out while that O Fortuna song plays. You know that <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I had to Google what that song was. I had to Google scary opera music to try to find <laughs> it. And I found it. It's called O Fortuna. Fortuna? Fortuna. Fortuna. I don't know. I think that's a Star Wars character. <laughs> that's Bib Fortuna, for those of you who are Star Wars fans out there. I don't even know who that is. He's the the guy at Jabba's Palace that, that has, like, the big dick wrapped around his head. Oh! You know, you know who I'm talking about, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Now that you his name is, say His that. name is Bib Fortuna. He's the blue guy, right? No, he's the guy. I said he's got a big dick wrapped around his head because he's like he's got like a pink head. Oh, you're like right. I, I don't know why I thought he was around. blue. He is flesh colored, which makes it worse. That's what makes it look like a dick. If he was blue, I'm not gonna say he has a blue dick. Okay, okay. Are you, what then? What is hanging between Doctor Manhattan's legs? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so we get these two brothers face to face in the center of the ring. Uh, they start brawling. You know, just like brothers do. You know, brothers fight. Yeah. They fight, they make up. They kiss, they break up. Uh, well, not so much the second part. Uh, well, where we come from sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Kane is really not phased by anything. Um, and neither is Undertaker, because he gets taken down with the clothesline and gets right back up. Um... I like that the, the thing about Undertaker and Kane is basically they have the same move set, except for Kane will do like some like high flying moves. Like Kane will surprise you every now and then with, with like, and Undertaker too, because Undertaker will just like jump over the ropes. But 
Kane likes to go to the top rope a lot, I feel like. Yeah, I would agree with that. But also, the similarity in style does lead to uh, a through line here that most Undertaker-Kane matches, not great. That is the thing, is Undertaker and Kane, they have a great story, but none of their matches are really that good. Yeah, the ma- uh, the matches are just vehicles to do the storytelling. Um, and that's the weird thing, is because they have good matches against other people. Yeah, I think Maybe it's just it's because the fact- their styles are just too similar. Exactly. Like, they literally have, so Undertaker's finisher is the Tombstone Piledriver. And his, like, secondary signature move is the choke slam. Kane's finisher is the choke slam, and his secondary signature move is the Tombstone Piledriver. <laughs> like, so they're just, like, they do all the same moves. Yeah, for uh, those of you that are fans of Super Smash Bros. out there, they're basically Marth and Lucina. Yeah. I mean, I would have picked someone who's, like, more power-based, but sure. Uh, okay, they're like Ganondorf and Captain Falcon. That is what I was going to say. Ganondorf and Captain Falcon, for sure. Although, I don't know who's Captain Falcon, because they both seem like Ganondorf. <laughs> um, so, uh, we go to the outside uh, after not too long. Taker gets dropped on the guardrail, smashed into the steel steps. Uh, the, re- the ref is distracted by Paul Bearer while Kane hits Undertaker with the steps. He hits him with him again while the ref is definitely watching, but I guess, nah, who cares? It's WrestleMania, and it's Undertaker versus Kane. Um, the ref gets distracted again uh, by Kane this time, and Paul Bearer attacks uh, Undertaker. Um, Kane suplexes Taker from the apron back into the ring, and he actually hits Taker with a choke slam and pins him, but decides to break his own count and continue the punishment by breaking up that pinfall at two. Um, JR has a great comment here. He says, Undertaker has had great success at WrestleMania, which is like, boy, you have no idea because he has the greatest WrestleMania streak of all time. It's just so early at this point, (laughs) you know, it's not what it is. Although at that point, he's still undefeated at WrestleMania, and I assume that he's wrestled at every WrestleMania since he debuted, so that's seven WrestleManias. You know, I... Still a 7-0, or maybe a (laughs) 6-0. There's a, um, a point maybe, here maybe. where the commentary team is talking about just the, the blood feud between these two and how Kane is out for revenge so badly. And King says specifically that Undertaker, quote, he left him physically scarred. Yeah, I wrote that down too because as we find out later is that he was not physically scarred. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I think it's very funny that like, you know, because the the explanation later is, oh, they were, he's scarred, just just not physically. But here, King does specifically say physically scarred. Well, that's what we are all told, and that's that's part of the storyline. That's apparently why he wears the mask. But I guess they were like, well, he can't wear a mask forever, so they took it off. Which I don't know. He could have worn a mask forever. Lots of wrestlers do it, but whatever. Uh, Kane puts Undertaker in a chin lock for way too fucking long. Um, Taker's finally able to get out of it and drops Kane over the top rope and onto the apron, hits a big boot. Taker then dives over the top rope, which I feel like is like he, uh, his thing he has to do at every WrestleMania is jump over the top rope. And that's pretty impressive for a guy who's seven foot and 300 pounds to just jump straight over the top rope. Not, not use, not climb the ropes and jump off of them, not springboard off the ropes, but just jump over them. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's very impressive. 
Uh, but Kane moves out of the way, and Taker crashes straight through the Spanish announce table. So Undertaker's not afraid to take a bump either. Um, uh, back in the ring, Kane hits a flying clothesline from the top rope, pins for a two count. Taker lifts Kane up for a tombstone, but Kane reverses it into one of his own, but Taker kicks out at two. Taker chokeslams Kane, hits a tombstone, but Kane kicks out at two. He's the first person to ever kick out of Undertaker's tombstone pile driver at this point. Uh, and he will be the only person to ever kick out of it until uh, Batista in uh, 2008, I think. Wow. Now, that's uh, one of those that ten is... Ten years. You know, because usually whenever... We, we talk about this uh, a lot. Usually whenever the announce team is like, they're the first person to ever kick out of... No, they're not. They're ne- they never are. But They here, definitely are. Wow. Well, finishers were more protected back then. Finishers actually finish the match. Now, all the time, people kick out. Now, now everybody's kicked out of the tombstone. Uh, but for a while, it was just Kane. Um, Taker hits a leg drop and hits another tombstone, but Kane kicks out again. Uh, Taker goes to the top rope, hits a flying clothesline, and hits a third tombstone, and finally gets the win. Uh, but it's not over yet. Paul Bearer throws a steel chair in the ring, starts attacking Taker in the corner. Um, Taker tries to fight them off, but gets hit in the head with the chair by Kane, and Kane tombstones Taker on top of the chair. Kane walks out, but Taker sits right back up. You know, I thought this was a pretty decent match compared to, you know, the other matches they're going to have. It was a good story, and even though Kane loses, he still looks pretty good, and I, I think that that was good because Kane shouldn't just lose you know, when he's so new and so fresh. But at the same time, I understand why Undertaker's super protected. Right, um, right. And and they protect the WrestleMania streak. So both guys end up looking really strong here, but there was that l- really slow middle, so I gave it a three out of five stars. I would agree with that. I mean, it's a, a, it's a pretty intense match to start things off, and it's probably the best one we're going to be covering today. So uh, they're going to they're gonna continue their feud for a little while. The next match coming up is going to be Unforgiven 1998. Uh, and they're going to face off in the first ever Inferno match, which is the object is to set your opponent on fire. Yeah. Um, very fun, very fun match type. And I think that, you know, this is part of what I really liked about Attitude is that we start really blurring the lines between, like, what is wrestling? You know, like... Wh- what are we watching here? Because... <laughs> that is a great question. Uh, this is not really... This sort of throws out all notion that this is some sort of athletic event. And instead, it is just insanity. And I yeah, always think there. it's a fun idea if we take sort of wrestling storylines and concepts and apply them to other sports. Like, you know, like, what if in basketball... Michael Jordan had a secret brother that hates him, and they have to play a game of basketball where the hoops explode when you dunk. Yeah, I think I think that uh, like the Harlem Globetrotters should adapt more crazy storylines like that. I agree. It's time for the Harlem Glo- Globetrotters to enter their own Attitude Era. Yeah, the the Harlem Globetrotters versus the uh, Washington Generals in a buried alive match. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I, I like that we just went from normal match to match with fire. 
we just we really just the huge leap there um so uh at ringside jr and king have marshmallows on sticks which i thought was funny uh, um, can we talk about the pre-match promo real quick? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I was getting to. Okay, it, we, we see them first before we go to the promo. But yeah, go ahead. What do you What do you want to say? Um, the lightning effects. I want to know how they did that. Where there is a spot. Oh, you mean? Oh, you mean where he's like light? Like he's like shooting lightning? Where Undertaker is shooting lightning, and it looks really bad and dumb. But I want to know how they did that. Because I, I could not tell you. It honestly looks like in Star Wars where the lasers, you know, are drawn in over the film. But yeah. if it is a if it's a live show, what is that lightning effect? I don't know. I have no clue. I wonder I wonder I mean, yeah, it's live. I wonder what it's like for the audience. I don't know. Yeah, um but also I do have to say that adds to Undertaker's power set ability sure. to shoot lightning. Yeah. It is funny when you – I've been to live shows where the Undertaker's there. He's never done lightning. But he has done the thing where the lights go out and then he shows up behind behind you. And it's, on TV, you don't really see anything. But when you're at a live show and you're, like, close enough and the cameras are flashing, you could see him getting out of the ring and getting back in behind somebody, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Like, he's just been sitting behind or under the ring the whole time. Um, so, uh, in this pre-match promo, Paul Bear, who is uh, incredible, I love listening to Paul Bear on the mic because he's like, I had a dream that the ring was surrounded by fire. <laughs> Is that is that a good Paul Bear? That's a pretty good Paul Bear. Um, Kane lights his own parents' graves on fire, uh, which really pisses off Undertaker. So he just starts beating everybody up. And you know, if uh, we're if we're asking whose version of the story we believe, I think this is sort of indicative that it might have been Kane that set the fire. Yeah, yeah. Uh, King says, "How do you like your Undertaker? Regular or extra crispy?" <laughs> Um, there's some sort of trough around the ring, and it gets ignited. Um, and then once they start, you know, like, hitting big moves, the flames kind of shoot up, which is, which is cool. The only thing that is lame about it is that you can hear very loudly the sound of the gas shooting out. Yeah. Uh, so you just hear a psst every time yeah. the flames shoot up. And the the other thing about this match is it's very limiting, you know. Right. You're limited by the gimmick. You're not going to have like some kind of crazy great match. And honestly, uh, like you're really just sort of constrained to regular wrestling match mostly. Because you can't you can't really play around with fire very yeah. much. It's sort of a it's there for exactly one spot. Exactly. And it's always very controlled, because they've done this a lot of times. And the thing is, the person who's getting lit on fire is always the person wearing more clothes. Yes, and we actually will end up seeing something. I'll talk about that later when we get closer there. Uh, 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 a trick that they do. Mm -hmm. the, when Kane wrestled MVP back when Kane was wrestling shirtless, it was so obvious that Kane was going to win because they're not going to light a guy with no shirt on on fire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I guess if they lit his leg on fire, maybe. But even then, I feel like that'd be too dangerous. And of course it's going to be Kane. He's the one who's covered. Right, right. Um, so uh, Paul Bearer even throws a, a chair in the ring at one point. Um, Kane hits Undertaker with it. Um, I bet, though, for the crowd, this was, like, fucking hot because I've been to wrestling shows where someone, like, when Kane comes out, even if you're, like, you know, I've never been even all the way close to the ring. I've been pretty far back, but you can feel the fire when his pyro goes off. Oh, I'm sure. No matter where you are in that arena, unless you're, like, way up in the nosebleeds. And so... God, think about how hot it is for them in the ring. Yeah, and wearing all those clothes and then, like, you know, re- like you know, being active, I'm sure that's terrible. Um, but, you know, there's really not a lot of suspense because you know, like, you know, when he's pushing Undertaker's face towards the fire, you know, okay, he's not really going to light his face on fire. Yeah, what if he did, though? That'd be wild. It, w- it would. Um, both of them go for choke slams on each other, but Kane kicks Taker in the gut, choke slams him. Uh, Taker gets a choke slam of his own. Um, they hit each other with simultaneous big boots. Um, Taker at one point goes for a flying clothesline, but Kane ducks and Undertaker almost goes flying into the flames. Um, that makes one me point, think, though, like the the margin of error here is very small. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I imagine that this is probably one of the easier matches to goof up in and um, end up ending the match early. The other thing about Inferno matches is they always end outside the ring. They never end inside the ring, and that's because if you light someone on fire inside the ring, it's harder to put them out very quickly. (laughs) Yes, yes. So they always end outside the ring, but that's kind of dangerous too because... As you see, he has to throw Taker has to throw Kane over the top rope and over the flames. Yes. Um, Kane starts walking to the back as the crowd boos, and then Vader shows up and attacks Kane. They start brawling on the entrance. Taker jumps clean over the top rope and crashes onto both guys on the outside. The referee kicks Vader out as Paul Bearer gets a chair. Bearer hits Taker in the back with the chair. He doesn't sell it. Taker scares Kane or. Taker scares Bearer off before he hits Kane in the face with a chair. Um, Taker chases Paul Bearer all the way up to the entrance ramp back where uh, the band was at, and he smashes a bass drum over Bearer's head, and Bearer is bleeding. Uh, it's pretty wild that you're, you're going to... That's how much they liked blood back then, is that the, the non-wrestlers would blade. Yeah, that, I thought that was pretty crazy. But I did like seeing the drum be put onto Paul Bearer's head. That was very good. Um, Paul Bearer actually strongly resembles a former professor of mine. Hmm, he does kind of look like a professor. Um, Eventually, we're back at ringside, and Kane tries to hit Taker with the chair, but Taker kicks the chair back into his face, and Kane falls back into the flames, and his arm catches on fire. And you wanted to talk about this. Yeah, because the whole time that Undertaker's chasing Paul Bearer around, Kane is cleverly putting on this big red sleeve. Yeah, I thought that that was what happened. Yeah. So you can tell when he lights it on fire, the thing is is rigged to light only up to his forearm and stop at his elbow. And then he holds his hand out as far as he can get it as he runs away. Still yeah. is fun and cool, but it just goes back to what I was talking about with like 
this match type is more of a... It really does start asking you... It's saying, like, look, we're not even trying to be real. Just suspend disbelief and have fun with it. And I'm fine with that. Yeah. It was it was fun for the spectacle. Uh, the match is really limiting to the actual wrestling, so I gave it a star and a half. Oh, yes. Yeah, very much agreed there. Um, so we're going to move to Raw of June, June 1st, 1998, episode of Raw. It's a number one contender match for the WWF Championship. Kane versus The Undertaker. Steve Austin is the, uh, the WWF Champion, uh, and he comes down to the ring to watch the number one contenders match. He's right in the middle of his rivalry with Vince McMahon, uh, who is also on commentary. So we have J.R. King, Vince, and Austin on commentary here for this Undertaker and Kane match. Yeah, and um, as we know, when Austin gets on commentary, it's fun, but it can take away from a match. Yeah, basically anytime Austin and McMahon are involved, it's the show's going to be all about them. Yeah. As evidenced by the time they were both in the Royal Rumble for the entire match, and the cameras followed them all around backstage while they brawled and did not pay attention to who was wrestling in the ring. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they're right in the middle of their feud. Uh, we talked a lot about this on our Austin and McMahon episode. This is coming right off of the Unforgiven that we just— the pay-per-view uh, with the Inferno match was the same one where Austin fought Dude Love. Um, so Dude Love was, like, the first person that— Vince McMahon got to try to get the title off of Austin. Uh, his second person he's going to try to go for is Kane. So McMahon's really rooting for Kane to win the number one contenders match so he can take the title uh, from Austin. Yeah, and, you know, I really thought when when I started this match, I'm like, okay, now that we're on TV, I bet Kane can actually win. Uh, mm-hmm. Since we're not, we're not at a pay-per-view anymore. Um. We start brawling pretty fast. Uh, Undertaker gets a gets a right hand to Paul Bearer. He, man, Paul Bearer gets the shit beat out of him and will later be killed twice. We don't really cover that. Where, uh, I guess that's where Undertaker gets it. it from, huh? Yeah, yeah. Like stepdad, like son. <laughs> um. Kane gets right back up and hits a choke slam, but doesn't pin him. I don't think this is really his finisher quite yet. Um, Undertaker hits a choke slam. Uh, Kane uh, whips Taker into the referee into the corner and takes him out. Taker hits a tombstone and pins, but the referee is knocked out. Mankind now comes down to the ring and puts Taker in the mandible claw from the apron. Vince says, I don't know what he's doing here. I fired him. Vince apparently fired dude love um, for not beating Austin. So he's like, well, dude loves fired, but Mankind's back. <laughs> so Mankind and Undertaker are also in a feud here um, Kane hits Taker with a tombstone And the referee counts the three count uh, Vince and Austin are yelling at each other uh, Kane gets out of the ring Gets face to face with Austin And kind of mimes putting the belt around his waist And he sets off his turnbuckle pyro And walks out Undertaker and Mankind are brawling outside the ring As the show goes off the air So Kane gets his first win here over the Undertaker uh, but other than that, it was your typical Monday Night Raw advancer to the next pay-per-view match. So I gave it a one star. Yeah, yeah. No, and it's kind of, I mean, I think it's a waste. Because I think that it is, I don't know, to to have Kane 
get his first win in this manner, it just feels like like that could have been a bigger thing. Yeah, he didn't get a clean win here. Uh, but it's really more to further the Undertaker and Mankind storyline and the Kane and Austin storyline. Right. Uh, so King of the Ring is going to be the next pay-per-view uh, where uh Undertaker and Mankind are going to have their very classic Hell in a Cell match whereas Kane is going to wrestle Austin for the WWF Championship and Vince McMahon decides to make it a first blood match meaning the way to win is you have to make your opponent bleed so the first person to bleed wins problem here and the and the kind of story here is that how how is Kane going to be made to bleed he's completely covered right um so it's putting Austin in a in a terrible, a, a no win situation. Um, in that match, Austin ends up losing uh, when Undertaker actually uh, hits Austin with a chair and busts him open. I, I forgot to mention the other stipulation here is Kane says if he doesn't win, he's going to set himself on fire. I mean that's not an overreaction or anything. So I mean he's done it before. So, <laughs> Undertaker busts Austin open and helps Kane because he's like, as much as I hate my brother, I don't want to see him set himself on fire. You know, I do have to say, though, that's kind of crazy that, that there's uh, that much concern there because isn't setting himself on fire just sort of like a Tuesday for Kane? <laughs> you know, I know. So Kane ends up winning the WWF Championship from Austin, but he actually, and so that's his first title win and his his first world championship in the company. Which is cool, except for he loses it the very next night on Raw <laughs> oh. to Austin. So, um, uh, eventually, uh, the title ends up being vacated, and they have to have, uh, I think Austin gets stripped of the title, and to punish him, Vince McMahon makes Austin the special referee for the WWF Championship match between Undertaker and Kane. Uh, but Austin is like, fuck it. They both get knocked down, so he both counts them. He counts both guys out, so neither of them wins. Uh, they end up having a tournament, which The Rock wins. So The Rock is the WWF Championship, um, but uh, it's at Judgment Day where where Austin counts both guys out. At the same time, at that same event, Paul Bearer turns on Kane. And attacks him to give Undertaker the win. I'm not really sure why. Yeah, sometimes Bearer. sometimes people just swap alliances in the WWE for almost no reason. I, I can't really remember why. Oh, I remember. So Undertaker is is like becoming a heel now, and Undertaker's in the Ministry of Darkness, his like zombie cult with all of his his people. And uh, at some point in there, he ends up admitting to starting the fire that killed his parents and, and burned Kane. So Undertaker has now admitted to the fire. Okay, so so Undertaker canonically did. He's the one, then. But the thing is, there are like later references to Kane having done it. So it really is just whoever is the heel is the one who started Here's the fire. Here's my headcanon. They did it together. <laughs> that's not bad. That's not bad. Um, But no, that's crazy because, again... Why make a promise to your dead parents that you murdered? Yeah, it's just, again, it's whoever's the heel is the one who set the fire. Um, you know, there's actually, the WWE actually released a book that uh, works this all out, 
where so they were releasing an auto, a lot of autobiographies, and they decided to do a little foray into fiction when they made a biography by Kane, but it's he's talking about the storyline events. And it's so weird because they even call, they even like try to make it a little real by calling in the book. They'll say, like when they're kids, they're called by their real names. They'll be like Mark Calloway <laughs> and and Glenn Calloway. They changed his last name to Calloway, right? Because they're brothers, the, the Calloway brothers. Like as if, like, 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 like as if there's some person out there who's smart enough to know what their real names are. But not smart enough to know that they're not actually brothers, and that Undertaker's not actually a zombie, and that Kane is not actually a pyromaniac. <laughs> and and of all things, it includes the Katie Vick storyline, which is not a is not involved Undertaker at all. So we probably won't really talk about it too much. But it is a storyline involving Kane, in which Triple H uncovers a part of Kane's past where he accidentally killed a woman he was on a date with because Kane went on dates, despite the fact that he was supposed to be a burn victim who was institutionalized until uh, Hell in a Cell 1997. <laughs> but regardless, he apparently accidentally killed a woman he was on a date with when he was in high school and then had sex with her corpse. Well, you know what I gotta say about that? Poe body's nerfic. And they inf- put that in that fucking book. That storyline also involved Triple H putting on a cane mask and getting into a coffin and dry-humping a mannequin. Oh, boy, huh. Kane has been involved in some pretty crazy storylines. But, you know, I think that that is really... He also he also raped Lita and, and impregnated her and then accidentally gave her an abortion. Ah. Well, that's... Or a miscarriage, I should say. That's not great. I was gonna make yeah. a joke there, but now I feel like I shouldn't. Oh no, you totally can. It's 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 really stupid. Oh well, I was just gonna say, you know, it to me it's inspiring because it shows what all a person can go through and still become mayor of Knox County, Tennessee. That's true. I'm surprised nobody brought any of these issues up. <laughs> anyway, what exactly were we talking about? Oh yes, so Taker and Bear are back together again. They're the Ministry of Darkness. Um. Undertaker starts attacking Austin with shovels. Um, Vince gives Austin a chance to be in the Royal Rumble, but only if he beats Undertaker in a buried alive match. Undertaker and Paul Bearer try embalming Steve Austin, which I, I don't know that how he's going to participate in a match if you embalm him. Yeah, no, I thought that was a very weird thing because especially, you know, sort of with the fire one, and now here especially... The, the storyline is trying to convince you that you're going to witness a murder on live television. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the only thing that a Buried Alive match could possibly be. Here's the thing. This is not the first Buried Alive match. <laughs> or last. Um, all of them involve The Undertaker, and almost all of them involve him losing because he's the only one who could conceivably be buried alive and come back. Right, right. Um... So, Austin and Kane throw Paul Bearer into a sewer, which I, I, not to hate on the man, he's dead, so he can't hear me. How did they fit him in there? <laughs> he was like Tim Allen in the Santa Claus when he, like, like sucks in into the chimney. 
<laughs> um, Undertaker crucifies Austin. Um, so like not not Undertaker's only crucifixion because he does it to Stephanie McMahon too. Um, and then anyway, so we get to this match. Kane obviously is not involved in this match, but he plays a big role. So I thought we'd include it anyway. Yeah, no, I think um, it's uh, I think it's an important point. Um, Austin. So we literally have a gravesite set up. Uh, so the point of this match, it's it's literally the person you win by burying your opponent alive in this in this grave. So there is a mound of dirt with a, with like a tombstone and a, and shovels and shit and a big hole in the ground. Um, they've done this match once before where Undertaker faced Mankind and he actually beat Mankind and he only like he like threw like a little bit of dirt on him but didn't like totally bury him. And then everyone attacked Undertaker and then buried him alive, and then he so he could take some time off TV. So that's that's what always happens. One thing that I love here is that, and the the WWE is notorious for this, and that is being extremely hyperbolic about how much something weighs. Yeah, uh, they're saying that this small pile of dirt weighs three thousand pounds. <laughs> it weighs an elephant and a half yeah no they, they're literally like it's two tons of dirt that he's gonna be buried beneath how much does oh, this well, two, dirt two weigh <laughs> what is in that four thousand pounds huh two tons would be four thousand pounds oh yeah well that discrepancy is on them because they keep saying two tons and also throwing out the figure three thousand pounds okay so they don't know how much a ton is okay yeah, no, they really do. They'll be like, oh, we just hit him with the steel steps. Those weigh 50 pounds or 100 pounds. Uh, yeah, no, like, I, what was it, that empty keg in that one episode? Yeah, it was said? a keg, and they were like, it's 200 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> You're telling me an empty keg of beer is the weight of a man? <laughs> um. So, yeah, Austin gets up on the gravesite, and he flips off Undertaker. So Taker meets him halfway down the ramp, and they start brawling. Uh, Austin starts choking him with his vest and then a cable. We get a section of the guardrail used. Uh, we get back into the ring for a little bit. Um, Taker gets crotched on the ring post. Uh, they start brawling over the Spanish announce table, uh, knock the whole ass table over. Austin tries for a pile driver on the floor but gets backdropped. They start fighting back towards the gravesite. Um, they're, they're like, Austin, or Taker even gets thrown into the grave, but Undertaker fights back, hits Austin with a wreath, because that hurts. Yeah, man, nothing nothing quite like a wreath to the face. My favorite moment is when they're fighting in the grave and Undertaker tries to climb out and Austin is literally dragging him back in. <laughs> I do like in the grave, though, they're like, this grave is six feet deep. It comes up to the Undertaker's waist, who they have regularly said is a seven-foot-tall man. That is a good point. Uh, yeah, they have no clue about measurement over there. <laughs> they say something major is going to have to happen to get one of these guys in the position to be buried alive, and oh boy, howdy, is it going to be. Oh, yeah. And I feel like it would. I mean, I feel like burying someone alive if you're just fighting with them and not drugging them or, or, or 
tying them up, I feel like, yeah, something pretty major would have to happen, huh? Yeah, no, it's going to be a, uh, it, it, it would take some fortitude, to be certain. Uh, we get back into the ring for a little bit. Uh, Taker hits Austin in the head with a chair. Uh, we then go back to the, we're just basically running back and forth between the ring and the, and the grave. Um, Austin's in the grave now, and Undertaker starts pushing dirt onto him very slowly. Um, Austin crawls out and hits him with a gas can twice and then hits a stunner, and he falls into the grave. Austin pours a wheelbarrow full of dirt on top of Undertaker, and then he just stops. I love the gas can just because they say, what do you propose he's going to do with a gas can? What do you think he's going to do with the gas can? Come on, it's a gas can. Pull up his car. It does one thing. He's going to huff it. (laughs) But yeah, no, I like also the wheelbarrow, like, because earlier Undertaker is, uh, is like shoveling, but here that nice wheelbarrow just full of dirt is conveniently there. Yeah, he's using his hands. It's kind of like in steel cage matches where it's like you could climb 12 feet and back over the other side, or you can walk out a door. <laughs> yes. Um, I would like to see someone meticulously, just that would be so boring to see them shovel dirt. Oh my um, god. Austin chases Paul Bearer to the back. Uh, Undertaker gets up and gets out of the grave, but then there's an explosion and Kane comes out of the grave. And we can add to Tain, uh, add to Kane's power set here, teleportation. Teleportation, indeed. Um, the two brothers start brawling. Taker gets a low blow. Taker lives up Kane for a tombstone, but Kane drops down and hits a tombstone of his own, and he falls into the grave. And then Austin drives a big backhoe into the arena and t- takes his sweet-ass time trying. The guy tries to figure out how to use it before he covers Undertaker in dirt. It was painfully long and slow to watch them try to get the backhoe working. Yeah, and because, you know, clearly they're not going to fill up the whole grave, the backhoe is sort of going through the motions, like, sort of pantomiming, covering him in dirt. So what I'm told is the way this match works is that there is a a secret, like, trap door in there. Yeah, of course. He will climb out, um, which seems like a lot of work. I want to know whose idea this was. Yeah. I'd like to see a Buried Alive match that doesn't involve Undertaker. (laughs) Just see two normal dudes in a Buried Alive match. That would be great. I would be there for it. Who have nothing to do with with that. See, that's what, uh, instead of the Montreal Screwjob, that's how Vince should have gotten uh, Bret Hart out of the company is just be like, okay, you're going to lose this Buried Alive match, but then we're going to bring you back, and you're going to win at, you know, whatever. And then just... To be uh, fair, when it comes to, like, wrestling terminology, the Montreal Screwjob kind of was a Buried Alive match. <laughs> uh, uh, but, yeah, no, just, like, uh, and then just leave him there and be like, well, he died. <laughs> also, every John Cena match is a Buried Alive match. Oh, man. Or every Hulk Hogan one. I could go on. <laughs> uh, eventually, they ring the bell. Austin celebrates with beers on Undertaker's grave. This match was better than expected, but, you know, also not that great. Because at least, as opposed to the Inferno match, they can, you know, kind of travel around a little bit, use some weapons. Uh, 
you know, n- there are no buried alive matches that are that good. I also do think it's really funny that you know the buried alive match is Undertaker's signature match, Inferno match is Kane's signature match, except for both of them like always lose to that match type. Yeah, yeah. Because you can't. You, Undertaker's like the only person who can be buried alive, and Kane's the only person who can be set on fire. <laughs> uh, I gave it 1.75 stars. I would agree. I mean, there's some fun showmanship there, but as far as wrestling goes, we're we're way out in left field. Um, so, they're gonna kind of, uh, kind of go their separate ways a little bit. They'll, they'll team up a few times, um, they'll face each other a few more times, um, eventually, uh, The Undertaker really gets into his whole Ministry of Darkness thing, Kane ends up, uh, having a, a, uh, partnership with X-Pac, and they win the tag titles a few times. Um, And then Undertaker takes some time off to heal up from some injuries in 1999, and normally he comes back as dead, but this time he comes back as alive, because he comes back as the great American badass. Oh, yeah. Um, And so... And while he was down there... You know, the thing that rose him from the grave was the sound of Fred Durst's voice. Oh, boy. Well, to be fair, he does spend a little bit more time as Dead Man Undertaker before. So he doesn't get buried alive and then come back as Viper Taker. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. He comes back a little while later, because this is 1998. It's not until 2000 that he comes back as American Badass. Just Kane and Taker's storylines don't really overlap too much in that time. Uh, but they're about to have another feud in 2000, their first feud when Taker is a biker. Uh, on an episode of Raw, Undertaker is facing Chris Benoit, and then Kane comes out. Initially, it looks like to help Undertaker, but instead he turns on him and choke slams him straight up through the ring. Um, so they decide to have a match at SummerSlam. Um, so we're getting a little bit of a different look at these two guys. Um, I don't know what music he initially had here, but they dub it over with something else, Undertaker's American Badass music. It's the music he started using in, like, 2004. Um, so uh, whatever music that was, they didn't have the rights to, apparently, because he, he was not using that music at that point. Maybe uh. they didn't get the rights to Kid Rock music. I don't know. Because um, they definitely have Limp Biscuit music, because we hear it later. I would love um, for someone to go and edit these episodes and just edit all the Limp Biscuit out. <laughs> edit our episodes? Oh, no, edit edit uh, the uh, edit the pay per views. Sorry. Oh, okay. You know, unfortunately, they are WWE's favorite band. You know, they can't have Sandman come out to enter Sandman because because of course Metallica didn't let anybody use their fucking music. Uh, <laughs> but. Plenty of plenty of uh, Limp Biscuit, um, so which I think is funny that when he was in ECW he used Inner Sandman by Metallica because ECW just didn't care they just stole the fucking song. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, we get oh, we get Biker Taker Kane also is kind of you know 
toning down. He's speaking now. He's not completely covered. So apparently they're like, he's covered in burns over 90% of his body. Okay, well, not his chest or arms anymore. <laughs> he slowly becomes less and less burned. Yeah, no, and I hate that he talks. I hate it yeah. so much. Yeah, well, you should have seen him when he... uh he got really excited to meet Hulk Hogan, and he's still wearing the mask, and he's, like, talking about, like, he's like, all the Hulkamaniacs and all the Canaanites. Oh, my God. That's and then he like, teams up with Booker T, and he does a Canaroonie. Oh, uh, but that's like uh, that, that pay-per-view we covered where they cut away to him sitting at the booth being like, yeah, it's a great way for uh, fans to interact with the WWE, and it's like, Kane, no. Oh, yeah. Please. Well, and then, of course, when they had him induct Pete Rose into the Hall of Fame, that kind of ruined it for him. Yeah. Especially at that time, he was supposed to be a monster still. Anyway, uh, so we, we, uh, we, uh, Kane comes out to the entrance ramp, uh, and they start brawling there. Um, and I do like, King is still talking about how Kane's face is disfigured. Yeah. Um, Which, like, really pushing that to the limit, huh? Yeah. Uh, Kane throws Undertaker in the ring. Because I feel like at this point, they had to be... Well, it's still like three years away, but they must have... And they're clearly planting the seeds of the idea of of taking his mask off. So what was the initial idea here? Were they going to try to make him up to look messed up? Yeah, I I was the same thing. When when he first takes his mask off, I think they kind of do that. Because oh. he looks all, it, it's mostly like he's just all dirty. And they're like, oh, his face. And then the next week on Raw, he's a normal dude. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, Kane throws Taker into the ring, grabs a chair, tries to hit Taker with it, but gets punched in the gut. Taker hits Kane in the back with the chair. And now Taker's trying to rip the mask off. And he rips off a, a portion of it, so his face is kind of a little bit exposed. Um. We go to the outside, um, and uh, Kane tries to hit Undertaker with the steel steps, but Taker moves out of the way, and Kane slams them into the ring post. And then Taker throws the steps into Kane's face, and Kane is bleeding, and I can't believe a masked wrestler bladed. That seems so... Yeah, that is <laughs> I crazy. I feel like blading should not be done that often, and to bl- for someone to blade whose face is covered is so <laughs> unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's I should insane. mention Paul Bearer is totally out of the picture at this point uh, because he had gained too much weight and they told him to, to leave and go lose weight, which he did. He lost a lot of weight. He had like like a triple bypass surgery and he, he started getting healthier. I mean, that that's good for him, but also like his whole thing is that he's a fat dude. Why did you kick him out of the company because he's a fat dude? They did that to Big Show too. They were like, you got to lose some weight. That. You can't do that to Big Show. Well, he did. Big Show's like only like three hundred pounds now. Oh wow, he is a much much fitter show, isn't he? Yeah, the Thin Show. <laughs> um, Kane is nailing Taker with right hands until Undertaker tackles him. They're trading punches, and Taker starts ripping at that mask again. Kane grabs Undertaker for a choke slam, but Taker kicks him in the crotch. And Undertaker rips Kane's mask off, and Kane runs away. Uh, and then Taker's music just starts playing, and the match is over, and it never actually started either. Yeah, so. <laughs> I hate, I hate this because it was not a match. Like the ma- the bell never rang to start it. The bell never rang to end it. End it. So 
there's and that happens sometimes where a match doesn't have an ending because you know like crazy shit happens and that's fine but the match didn't even start this was just a fight yeah and, and just... what really bothers me about it is that Kane having his mask removed if you're gonna do it should be a big thing well and then this is not his mask being removed permanently Obviously, because okay. we have another match where he's where he masked. has it on, right? But if this is the so, first time he's ever been demasked, I don't know. I I feel like he should have made it more special. But he's not truly demasked because we don't see his face, and he immediately puts it back on. Yeah. So we never actually see his face. Although there there's a picture out there, a fan was able to snap a picture of his face, and it it is on the internet of him being unmasked. Um. So. Not permanently a mask. I gave this match a quarter of a star because it was not a match. Yeah, no, it's dumb. I don't, I didn't care for it. Uh, once again, they go their separate ways for a while, um, and then the invasion happens. WCW, WWF buys out WCW, and then their talent starts coming over. In that, a lot of wrestlers end up teaming up against WCW, including the Undertaker and Kane. And this is when they really start becoming the brothers of destruction and being a really good tag team. Um, so, uh, let's go to SmackDown, uh, April 19, 2001. Uh, it's a no disqualification match for the WWF Tag Team Championship. The champions, Edge and Christian, uh, here coming out with Rhino versus the Brothers of Destruction, Undertaker and Kane. Uh, Kane's arm is taped up, uh, because he was attacked by Steve Austin and Triple H, who at this point, this is right after, uh, that WrestleMania match where Austin turns on Vince McMahon, or turns heel and sides with Vince McMahon, and he ends up, they form a partnership called the Two-Man Power Trip with Steve Austin, Triple H, Vince, and Stephanie McMahon. Um, so they're a team here, too, and they're feuding pretty majorly with The Undertaker and Kane. Taker comes out to that classic Limp Biscuit music. Ugh. And on his bike. Um, Edge, Christian, and Rhino start attacking Kane before Undertaker can even get in the ring. Kane wrestles with Christian for a while, and then Taker and Edge brawl on the outside. So it's mentioned here that if Undertaker and Kane win, they get to take on Austin and Triple H at Backlash. Um, Kane tries to chokeslam Edge, but he gets gored by Rhino. Taker slams Christian into the announce table. Edge is starting to attack Kane's injured arm, which I do think it's kind of funny that you know there was a time where he you know couldn't be hurt, but now his arm is all taped up. <laughs> um. They're basically working over Kane pretty much the whole match. Yeah. Um, at one point, Kane is able to tag an Undertaker, but the ref is distracted by Edge and didn't see it, so he kicks Undertaker out, which I don't understand. If this is a no It's a no match, disqualifications match. What, I, I, what prevents Undertaker from being in the ring? I was screaming about that, too. So, yeah, no, I hate that. Like, there's no need for them to tag in and out, really. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, there's no need for Rhino to be on. There's Rhino could just attack them the whole time. I, that's why no DQ tag matches are weird. It's hard to work by traditional tag team rules if you're going to call it no DQ. I agree. There needs to be, they need to create a match type. Less DQ. You could still be disqualified just for less stuff. Kane finally tags an Undertaker, and Undertaker cleans house. Uh, he clotheslines Edge over the top rope, tries to choke slam Christian, but Rhino hits him in the back with a chair. Rhino then sh- clotheslines Kane over the top rope, but Kane comes back with a big boot. Kane choke slams Rhino on the ramp, and that's when Triple H and Austin come come out and they attack Kane from behind. 
Edge and Christian both have chairs, and they're going for that concerto where they sandwich somebody's head in between two chairs. But Taker ducks, and he hits Christian with a last ride, pins for the three count, giving Undertaker and Kane their very first tag team titles together, uh, which they'll actually win one more time, and they'll win the WCW Tag Team Championships when they come over. Uh, but Austin and Triple H attack Undertaker. Kane grabs a chair and chases them out of the ring. And they'll go on to face each other at Backlash, although uh, Austin and Triple H will end up winning and winning the tag team titles. I thought it was a fun little SmackDown match. I liked the story of Kane's injured arm. Wasn't a big fan of all the run-ins, so I gave it a two out of five stars. Yeah, it was a mess, but I agree. It was it was pretty fun. Um, so, like I said, they're going to win the tag team titles a few more times. Um, eventually, uh, once the roster gets so inflated, they're... Um, they're going to end up splitting the brand or splitting the roster into two brands. So half the guys will be on Raw, half the guys will be on SmackDown. So Kane stays on Raw and Undertaker gets sent to SmackDown. So they are separated and they don't really uh, interact with each other for the next couple of years, actually. Um, what a weird thing to do with your characters. Separate them like that? Yeah. Well, I, I think it's for a good reason, because it, it builds that up, because it's it, when they do end up interacting, it's a really big deal. Okay, I guess that and makes sense, And yeah. it's also to keep two very similar characters and styles separate, you know? Yeah, okay. Um, so Undertaker stays as the American badass. In 2003, Kane is going to lose a match against Triple H, which causes him to take off his mask, uh, and when, at which point it is revealed that he has no physical scars that are only emotional um, <sighs> he goes on a tear he starts it is interesting that it's not undertaker who unmasks kane though yeah i agree Triple H. uh he's gonna go become a monster heel he's gonna start attacking everyone he lights jr on fire he tombstones linda mcmahon on the entrance ramp he uh electrocutes shane mcmahon's testicles well, that's fun. Um, and at one point, Shane McMahon returns the favor by putting Kane in a limo and uh, uh, pu- putting a uh, like a crowbar down on the on the gas and sending it crashing into like a semi trailer, basically almost killing him. <laughs> um, Meanwhile, Undertaker ends up, you know, kind of leading SmackDown. Uh, He wins the WWE Championship a couple of times, uh, has some really good feuds with Brock Lesnar, with Big Show, with Kurt Angle. Uh, Eventually, Vince McMahon is doing his whole very weird having an affair on his wife, beating his own daughter storyline, and Undertaker's like, okay, enough is enough. (laughs) Undertaker is like very – he's like, hey – don't beat up Stephanie. Well, dude, s- slow it down a little bit. I know I was really into that for a while, but I know but you're I kidnapped her myself. <laughs> Please don't attack her. Um, and eventually, Undertaker has a little bit of a feud with Vince McMahon, and then at the Royal Rumble 2003, Undertaker faces Vince McMahon in a buried alive match. Uh, despite the fact that he's still Biker Taker, he's having a buried alive match. Uh, it is a complete squash where Undertaker punches Vince once and he starts bleeding like crazy. 
He destroys Vince the entire time. He's about to bury him alive, and then Vince throws some dirt in his eye, and then Kane comes out of nowhere. Pocket sand will always get you. Pocket sand. So then Kane comes out of nowhere at the Royal Rumble 2003, throws Undertaker into the grave, and then dumps a bulldozer full of dirt on top of the Undertaker. Uh, despite them being on opposite shows, it, so it's a it's a big whoa! I can't believe it. Yeah, uh, this happened. Actually, uh, excuse me, it was not the Royal Rumble 2003. It was uh, Survivor Series 2003. My bad. Uh, and then Kane comes up on SmackDown, despite being on Raw, and he has a funeral for the Undertaker. And he says the Undertaker is dead and buried for good this time. Um, he says that he did that because the Undertaker had become too human. Basically, Kane was tired of the biker gimmick. Yeah, weren't we all? Kane was just doing what we all were wanting to. He said he's tired of of him being. He says he's too human. He uh, he he was not his the brother that he knew and tried to kill multiple times before. My brother was a Frankenstein, and I don't know this man. Uh, and so that's where we're gonna leave it off. Uh, it's it's two thousand four, and and the Undertaker or. It's, Late 2003 into 2004, Undertaker is dead and buried, according to Kane. So we're about to reignite, no pun intended, pun definitely intended, the feud between Undertaker and Kane in 2004. And that is where we will leave off for here and get to you in two weeks. Well then, that what was did you, exciting. What, what, do you, what do you think about this, about this story? Um, I love it. It's probably my favorite storyline that we've covered um just because it's so crazy and so dumb and i'm just i'm here for it man yeah what uh what do you have any questions about this story about you know the canon here no you've done a great job of explaining it i i think i i understand as much as there is to be understood let's go through what what and and recap all the powers that they have Right, so I think what we ended up is at three powers for each man. Kane has the power to turn off the house lights. That is shared between the two men. Kane has power to control fire, and yeah. Kane, but apparently only he only has the power to start fires. He does not have the power to put them out or the power to keep himself from being lit on that, fire. That is that is a good point. Um, and then he also has the ability to teleport. On the Undertaker side, so far, we've got the house lights, of course, the ability to shoot lightning out of his hands, and the ability to rise from the dead on command. Mm-hmm. I, I would argue that Undertaker has the ability to teleport as well, um, because he, you know, the lights will often go off, and he'll show up behind And someone. then he'll just be there, yeah, yeah. So I, I would argue that he also has teleportation power. So right now we're at sort of Edge Undertaker, I would say. I'd say he has the more powerful moveset than Kane. I hope that we get some new powers when we come back uh, in the next couple of weeks here and and we can really sort of put these guys in a gauntlet and see which one is the more powerful superhero. Or villain? Or, yeah, or villain. Depending Depending on how you look at it. Um, do you think do you think Undertaker taught Kane how to like teleport and turn lights off? Yeah, I mean, I think that definitely the powers they share they must have learned together as children. Imagine, imagine like the 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 family dinners with Undertaker and Kane and Paul Bear. Imagine oh. thanks. 
imagine Thanksgiving at the Bearer household. No, I guess not the Bearer household because he's you know he's technically, you know, not really Undertaker's dad and didn't know he was Kane's dad. Taker is their last name Taker. Yeah, guess, that's a great question. Is his first name Under and last name Taker, and then Kane is Kane Taker? <laughs> Or maybe his first name is Again, the. the Mario comparisons. Yeah, they are a lot like the Mario Brothers. <clears throat> Just like the brothers. Um, okay. So that is going to do it for this edition of Turnbuckle Training. We want to once again encourage you to watch along with us. I will uh, post what episodes we're going to be we're going to be watching um, uh, for the rest of this this little storyline. Uh, and then again, uh, be sure we actually got a review on iTunes, uh, very positive review. So thank you to whoever uh, wrote that one. We really appreciate it. We encourage you to leave us any more reviews you can, and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or however you listen to your podcasts. And uh, give us a follow on Twitter. That's at Turnbuckle Train. Uh, yeah. Hang on, just a sec. I'm looking up the. Name of the person that reviewed us, or the name they have on iTunes, so that this oh, shout yeah. out. I oh, we got two that. ratings. Oh, okay, that one's new then. Um. Oh, okay. I see. They didn't. They didn't put the. Uh, they didn't write a description. Oh, wait, yeah, they did. Yes, bigger. Uh, oh, okay. This is Epic Space Orange. This is uh, our good friend and listener Christian. Um. Thank you, Christian. Uh, Bigger oh, Than thanks, Vince Christian. is the name he used here on iTunes, uh, or the title. Very much appreciate the 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 review, my man. Be like Christian. Yes, absolutely. All right, uh, that's going to do it here. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you here next time. It's me, Austin! The numbers don't lie! And they spell disaster for you as sacrifice. Oh, son of a bitch. I did it for the love. Get ready for the bonkerest event of the summer. A Three Big Dudes production. Starring me, professional toe sucker. Nope, we won't talk about that, but we will talk about Waluigi, Dog with a Blog, the similarities between Alf and Cousin Skeeter, and of course, the Slithler. It's Feud Fight, where we take the wild questions most people won't touch and give our scalding hot takes. And I also say terrible things that could loosely be considered word crimes, just to keep things a little spicy. Every Monday, wherever you find your podcasts.